Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Kevin Connors. Welcome to another edition of Connors Clinic Live. Today, we have a special guest who I met a few months ago when she interviewed me for a summit, and uh, we really hit it off, and I wanted to have her on our podcast. Um, Dr. Jen practices in Ohio. She's a doctor of uh, osteopathy. And she really practices functional medicine work. And well, I'm gonna let her tell us about herself and we'll have a great conversation. Hi, Dr. Jen. Hi, hi, Dr. Connors. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. So tell us about you. How did you get into functional medicine getting a degree in osteopathy kind of standard i mean they don't teach you functional medicine stuff in osteopathic school these days right no you know what they don't and kind of an interesting story i was at kent state for undergrad and i was loving medicine. I knew I wanted to go into medical school. And then I had this gospel choir class. And one of the ladies that sat next to me and sang beautiful soprano voice, she was a DO and she was a family practice DO. And she's like, why don't you come shadow me? And that is how I first found out about MD versus DO, how they see the body more as a whole. And you get more of that osteopathic manipulation where you can help the body kind of go back into homeostasis through using your hands and and manipulations of some sort, similar to to chiropractors, what they use. So I fell in love with DO school. I only applied to DO school. And then I I went through DO school, loved loved the OMT. I met a lot of like-minded people in there. There was a massage therapist that was in the military, did a lot of massage work, taught me about trigger points. There was a chiropractor from Canada in my med school class. So really cool things. Then I I chose emergency medicine. So which is kind of interesting because you don't use a lot of OMT there, but I do. I still put it in there, but I, I chose emergency medicine. It was just a calling to me. I won't go through residency. I'm out as a practicing physician, board certified emergency medicine doctor and more community hospital. And um, the patients I were seeing were just sick. They were chronically ill. And I remember this one patient, she was about late twenties, early thirties. And she saw me every week and you're not supposed to see your emergency medicine physician that much. And she she, even knew you were working in an ER. What was she doing? Coming to the ER every week? Yeah. She would come in that much. And with chronic abdominal pain. And when you're in the ER, you can only offer so much. So I had to have a sit down moment with her and I'm like, look, you're going to have radiation poisoning from all these CT scans of your abdomen. And I'm like, this is more of a chronic thing going on. And I encouraged her to do a food journal. Um, I spoke with her about exercising, basically just lifestyle things. And, um, you know, that was kind of the light bulb moment that in having my first son, um, I was like, conventional medicine doesn't work. There, there's this whole other world out there of things like chronic disease, like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, you know, I started just being obsessed with learning things outside the box. Um, I shadowed someone that while he didn't do formal training in functional or integrative medicine, he was practicing treating chronic Lyme patients. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I have to go back and do an integrative medicine fellowship. 
And I'm like, it's two years. I can do it while I'm raising kids and working in the ER. And he was supportive. And he said, yes, I am going to support you doing this. So shortly after that, I opened my own integrated medicine practice while still working part-time in the ER. I, I was how many kids? I was three kids in at that time. And I remember I was building up my integrative practice when I was pregnant with my, um, my three-year-old, I was a couple years in and then COVID hit and that was crazy too. So, you know, it just has been this journey of being a conventional medicine doctor and still working in the ER during COVID still working. I still work in the ER, but knowing that I want to stop people from getting to that chronic disease. Cause most of the patients I see in the emergency room are products of chronic illness and, you know, let that sink in. Right. Cause we think of the emergency room for things like car accidents or, um, you know, finger lacerations or broken bones, but that's really not what we're seeing. We're seeing consequences of chronic disease and illness, which is sad. Well, that's, that is a light bulb moment for me. Cause I, if somebody said, what do you, what do you usually, what would you see in the emergency room? I think somebody got cut with a chainsaw or something like that. So um, that's kind of sad because really standard emergency room doctors have no idea how to deal with that. And, and they really, it's, it's beyond their scope of practice in the emergency room to even be able to deal with that if they do. So now what do you see in your practice? Yeah. So one of my main things I love to treat is thyroid patients, specifically Hashimoto's and autoimmune problems, because I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease myself. And now I am in remission. Uh, I check my antibodies every once in a while, every couple of years now, and it's still good. So what had happened for me was when I was in high school, it's actually a really interesting story. So I was having some cycle problems, like a regular cycle kind of delayed. And my mom read an article in like one of those prevention magazines that you should have your kid's thyroid checked. So she actually went out and asked for a thyroid test from my doctor because no one had offered it. And that led to them getting an ultrasound of my thyroid. And I had this nodule, they had played around with thyroid medications to like shrink the nodules, never looking for a root cause. Why no one checked my antibodies even. So fast forward from high school to medical school, I was feeling my, I was palpating my thyroid because we were doing anatomy. And I was like, oh my goodness, that nodule is, is big. It had like tripled in size. So that led to another ultrasound to them. Then the doctors make, you know, we did the, the fine needle biopsy and they're like, we have to rule out cancer. So I was in my first year of medical school. We, you know, I had to go to surgery. It was after our final test. I remember, cause I had to fast and I'm like, I'm, I'll take my test and then I'll go to surgery. And they, they put me under and they're like, if it's cancer, then obviously we have to take out the thyroid and do radioactive iodine treatment. And if it's not, then, you know, praise the Lord. Right. And I woke up and they were like, good news. It's not cancer. And then the surgeon, I remember this, he looks at me and he's like, it was just Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And I'm like, well, I was just a first year medical student. I'm like, what's that? He's like, oh, it's just a disease. You don't do anything about it. Eventually it will burn out your thyroid. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm a medical student. I'm going to listen to the conventional medicine doctor. 
And even endocrinology really offered me no other treatment for Hashimoto's. So they actually took out half of my thyroid and the Ismith, which is what connects it, um, because it looked damaged and diseased from the Hashimoto's. Little, you know, I mean, I wish I could go back in time and say, please just keep that because I can heal it myself, right? So um, then fast forward to when I was um, getting into the conventional out of the conventional model into the integrative model, I actually, I cut out gluten. I healed my gut health, which had so many problems and I reversed my Hashimoto's and it's, and I feel better now than I did in my twenties, you know, cause when you really have that thyroid disease, it's, it's, you don't, you don't feel good unless you're putting all the different puzzle pieces together and really looking at the whole body. And that's gut health, adrenal health, mitochondrial health. So hormone health, insulin, glucose, you know, the things that you do, right. Dr. Connor's like, it's, it's all, it all needs to be just running perfectly like a well-oiled machinery. So for me, doing what I do now is just almost redeeming. I, I wish that there was a doctor like me. And if there was, I'm sure my mom would have taken me to them. But even now there's just a not enough integrative and functional care. And it really should be the standard of care when it comes to most diseases at this point. Well, I hear this so often and I have the same testimony is that you get into um, natural care because of your experience. And so many doctors have that same, um, you know, testimony as how they got into care. Um, because honestly, who, why else would you want to get into this, you know, especially in an era, I mean, now it's more accepted, but when I graduated in the 80s, I mean, it was voodoo and we got so ridiculed and, you know, just, you know, trying to make it was difficult. You, you know, it, there was a lot of negatives. So, um, but people did it because of their experiences. And it is really, you know, natural care, functional medicine care has grown because of that grassroots efforts of practitioners and the grassroots experiences of their patients that are now demanding it. So it is a growing profession. I would agree that there's not enough people out there that know enough about autoimmune disease like Hashimoto um, then there should be because Hashimoto is like exploding. Autoimmune diseases are exploding after COVID and nobody knows how to take care of these people or very few practitioners do. What is What have you seen with, with post-COVID doing to your practice? Well, yes. I mean, that that is one thing. I was just reflecting on it because I watched a certain um, Joe Rogan interview and I was in tears and I, I'm so glad that I have no regrets and I'm sure you the same, no regrets at how I handled the whole pandemic as a physician. And I treated people that needed treated because what I'm seeing post now is that those that were not treated appropriately and properly when having COVID, you know, does that spike protein is just doing major damage. Um, and what is underlying is coming out. So I have a patient that he, his was actually triggered by not by the infection, but by the actual vaccine that he had mold toxicity and that, that trigger that he got that shot 
really just brought that mold like his his immune system came crashing down after that so now we are we are removing we removed him from the environment from the mold I put him on low dose naltrexone, naltrexone. We did a little bit of ivermectin. We used some peptides to balance his immune system. And he went from not being able to work. He had to stop work. And now he is back on his boat. And he, he needs to get his strength back because he was in the hospital. He lost a lot of muscle mass. So we're working on that. But lots of stories like that, um, you know, in fertility issues, problems with the cycle I'm seeing, an explosion, like you said, of Hashimoto's. I actually just had a new patient that had hypothyroidism for decades and now is having Hashimoto antibodies show up. So, and I, you know, and I tell them it, it's just whatever trigger it is, whether it's mold or Lyme or a virus, you know, Epstein-Barr used to be the most famous and now it's probably going to be COVID is the biggest autoimmune trigger coming up. So it's, it's all about controlling the inflammation, rebuilding the gut health, which is therefore balancing the immune system. So it's, it's scary. What are you seeing? I, I just want to know in your clinic, is it exploding with cases that you're dealing with for cancer post pandemic? Oh, absolutely. It, it just literally exploded. Um, uh, and anybody that has had the the vaccine, it it's it's just uh, made their problems worse. Uh, people yeah. that were in complete remission, all of a sudden their cancer just took off and exploded again. People that were not diagnosed of cancer now diagnosed of cancer. Um, and like you said, even if a person didn't get vaccinated, they the exposure to the spike proteins from other people has caused ill effect. Um, and we're seeing, you know, autoimmune disease go through the roof. Uh, you know, to this, at this point, it's not, I hope I don't get an autoimmune disease and more. It's like, I wonder which autoimmune disease I'm going to get um, first, because you'll probably get many. So it, um, it's, we live in a crazy world. We used to talk about mainly the toxins and the poisons from pesticides and things. And now, they're man-made uh, poisons that we're dealing with in the, in the, as the source of a virus and things like that. So it is, um, it is, we really need a lot more practitioners out there to be able to help these people. Because like you said, it used to be um, like Epstein-Barr virus that would be a trigger. So for the listeners to understand, you made mention of somebody with primary hypothyroidism and it flipped out to Hashimoto's. There's a difference, like you're you're making reference to. There's a very big difference between somebody with primary Hashimoto, primary hypothyroid, that is not an autoimmune disease, um, to now having Hashimoto's or Graves or you know some other autoimmune component. That's a big difference in how you treat that. It's a big difference in that per, what that's going to do to that person's lifestyle. Um, and, you know, we, both of us are big proponents of getting people tested for autoimmune diseases because so many chronic disorders, people can't figure it out, can't put their finger on it, but they've never been tested for anybody. So you made mention in your life that you went to doctors and they never, you, thyroid issues, and they never tested you for antibodies, TPO or thyroglobulin antibodies. And that's just such a disservice. You see that 
you see that today. I mean, that was maybe years ago for you, but I just had somebody the other day that thyroid issues and did they test you for antibodies? Uh, here, they sent me the blood test. No, they did TSH and T3. I mean, come on, where, what rock is this doctor living under? This is not even alternative procedures. This is standards of care um, that doctors are ignoring. And to to the, you know, to the ill effect of their patients. Yeah, and one reason why they might not be ordering those antibodies is because they think that there's nothing that they can do or the patient can do, yeah. right? So a lot of the times they don't order that because they still think that you can't reverse Hashimoto's, you know, disease in antibodies, which is, I chuckle at that because I'm like, okay, so you're saying like, I like my, my antibodies, like, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, a miracle. No, it's, it's not. And, and we see those trend down a lot, but I will say on the other effect, I will have patients that their antibodies will not go down, but a lot of it comes back to trauma, that autonomic nervous system imbalance, um, you know, traumatic life events, adrenals and stress. And, I, you know, my patient population is a lot of mid twenties to late forties that women that are burning the candles at both ends, they're not working with their hormones. So, you know, maybe when they're supposed to actually be relaxing, they're just staying up all night and getting work done. And this can affect your, your body and actually precipitate autoimmune diseases. And I, I don't, you know, it's not a coincidence that women are the ones that have the most autoimmune diseases. Now, this can be for a lot of different hormonal reasons, but I just see burnout after burnout woman in my office. And I feel it with them. You know, a lot of the times I draw on personal experiences on this is what you can do to help, you know, or I know it's tempting to stay up until midnight because you only get two hours to yourself a day, but you need to get sleep. Because if you're not sleeping, your body can't repair overnight. You're not, you know, releasing proper hormones, you know, between that golden hour between 10 and 12, like growth hormone and your granulin and leptin, that's when they're, you know, getting sorted out. So I, I think that women who are the main, main um, group of autoimmune disease, you know, people that get it, they really have to just pay attention to those lifestyle choices and sleep and diet are, are the big ones. And unfortunately they're running their kids to baseball games and practices. They're kind of being ignored. And then, you know, a couple of years down the road after doing that for a long time, a couple of years, then an autoimmune disease comes out of it. And we really want to slow down that process, especially like you said, with the spike protein running around, if it's not, when is it gonna happen? Not if, but when's it gonna happen? We really need to pay attention to, to how can we battle against this? And really with, like you said, this man-made thing going on, we we have to be more, more on the offense, make sure our body is just a, a good environment for health. And that's, you know, the pillars of health, you, the sleep, the nutrition, make sure you're exercising and moving your body, even if it's just a walk after dinner. So it's really prevention of the autoimmune disease, because once you get that autoimmune disease, once you get one, you're more likely to get another. So we're just trying to prevent 
those things from happening. And it kind of goes back to the emergency room stories is that we want to prevent the heart attack. We want to prevent the stroke, prevent dementia, all of that. And one thing I've noticed that really frustrates me is a lot of these big organizations like the American Heart Association. Like I remember I went to a local event and there was nothing about prevention. It was all about treatment and what to do after your heart attack. And I'm like, we're missing, we're missing what <laughs> the big thing that we need to do. And that's prevention. Well, and you, well, it's because they're all funded by the big yes. pharmaceutical companies and they want you to have heart conditions because then they're going to get you on a prescription for life and sell you something every single month. And that's unfortunate. You did mention that, um, you know, lots of times with autoimmune disease, you can't get their antibodies down, but the key is getting them still in a state of remission so that there's not as much destruction of that organ by looking at triggers. I think that's where a lot of practitioners miss that point. Um, they're like just trying to balance a person's like in Hashimoto's, they might be using a more natural approach like armor or something like that, which, um, yeah, maybe it is a little more natural, but still not dealing with triggers, still not dealing with cause. Like you're looking at, does this person have mold toxicity? Does this person have heavy metal issues? Does this person have gut issues? You have to, you know, take as, you know, you have to step far away enough from that person's body to see the big picture and look at all those things and run the tests that you need to run to discover those things and find those triggers that are stimulating further destruction. Um, so even if a person, because when you mentioned your antibodies got back down to normal range, I think there might be some people that might be discouraged, like, oh, I've been trying so hard, my antibodies are still high. You can still be in a state of remission, even with having elevated antibodies. Sometimes they'll never go down. And um, But you gotta find the triggers that are stimulating destruction that are that will then cause symptoms um, and and cause ill health. Um, and that is some sometimes you need a practitioner to dig in and deep and do run some different labs and find out what those are. Yeah, that's a great point. And a lot of the times patients get they frustrated because they want to get off their meds completely. And it depends on what level of destruction there was to those right. thyroid cells. So sometimes, yes, the goal would be to, to lower, lower the thyroid meds to get you more in balance, but, but sometimes like, or if you had surgery and had to get some removed, like you need to be on some of your thyroid meds. But also I think you bring up a good point. Just, you know, taking armor is just not the way to go, you know, just because you go to a doctor and they're like, okay, you know, I'm functional or integrative, like, because I use armor. <laughs> and like you said, they need to dig further, look for the triggers. Um, why is this happening? Not just, I'm going to treat it the more natural way, but what, why is your body mad at itself? <laughs> what, right. what is triggering that? And, and it could be so many things. And we also have to look at the thyroid is very sensitive. Our endocrine organs are very sensitive to chemicals and heavy metals. And our world is just full of chemicals, whether it's, you know, your moldy coffee at Starbucks, lots of chemicals, or, you know, the packaged food you eat, or just the air you breathe. I mean, I know um, air quality in Ohio is really bad for, you know, like a, a week. And I was just giving everyone in my family knack 
and we're just trying to be smart about it. So you have to look at your environment, whether it comes from your what you're washing your clothes in or the makeup you're putting on your body. So we have to also look at those things because environmental triggers can still be a trigger for thyroid health um, and, and damaging it. So it, it can get kind of complicated. So yes, that's why you do want someone, a practitioner to work with you. And that's, that's the nice thing is that, you know, Kevin and I, we're just detectives, right? We've been doing this a long time. We like my intake form. I, I love it because it just really brings things out, whether it's a childhood living environment or emotional trauma or, you know, chemical exposure when they were young. So all of these things just put together the big health history because remember it takes, you know, seven to 10 years for autoimmune diseases to kind of surface. But I would say COVID has really accelerated that timeline, which is kind of interesting, but we need to look, you know, in the past, like what triggered, what happened? Was it a tick bite on vacation? Was it getting mono as a kid? And you've been dealing with this, you know, for longer than you thought. So, but it's, it can get really complicated. So that's why it's nice to have someone working in your corner that knows what to do, how to treat these things. It's kind of like untangling a ball of messed up yarn sometimes, isn't it? Yes, definitely. So how, how do our listeners get a hold of you? Do you work with people across the United States? Um, tell us a little bit of how your practice runs. Yeah, so I have my brick and mortar in Northwest Ohio, and you can come and see me there in person. I'm going to be launching in the end of August, middle of August, a small group program, which will be great with weekly calls and also some health coaching. I do a lot of teaching information for free on my Instagram and YouTube channel, which is the handle integrative doctor mom. So integrative DR doctor mom. And I also have a podcast, the integrative health podcast with Dr. Jen, which was on a little like sabbatical last year because things just got crazy with my kids. And then I just, I felt like I was ready to start doing it again. So I, I'm not good. I don't do every week, but I try to do it the best I can, which is kind of what I encourage all my patients to do, do the best you can. You know, if you need to either be at your kid's baseball game or record a podcast, you know, go to your kid's baseball game. So I think that that is kind of just what I do when I can and when I give when I can. But I try to do as much as I can on my social media, giving real life tips and tricks, because I know as a mother and then seeing my patients, it's the real life that's hard to deal with. Right. Cause right. I I'm in, the, I'm in the, in the weeds with everyone, I guess is what I like to say. And I, and I've been through it. I know what it feels like to be exhausted as a thyroid patient and go to your doctor frustrated in tears. I, I was there. So I really, I know how everyone feels if they're in that position and you can heal your body wants to heal and feel good. So that's the, the really positive note about it. Well, thank you, Dr. Jen. You've been a wealth of information. It's neat to see that you're, you know, your first role in life is to be a dedicated mother. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. All right, we'll be back next time. Bye-bye.